हेलो एवरीवन होप यू आर वेल एंड स्टेइंग सेफ वेलकम टू द सेकंड एपिसोड ऑफ ग्रैंड थॉन्टम भारत्स नॉलेज पॉडकास्ट ऑन स्पेशल पर्पस एक्विजिशन कंपनीज इन आवर फर्स्ट एपिसोड पार्टनर एंड ओवरसीज लिस्टिंग्स लीडर राजा लाहिरी इंट्रोड्यूस्ड अस टू द कांसेप्ट ऑफ स्पैक्स एंड व्हाट आर द बेनिफिट्स एंड रिस्क्स फॉर द कंपनीज इन केस यू मिस्ड ट्यूनिंग इनटू इट हियर इज अ क्विक स्नैपशॉट SPACs also known as blank check companies require additional capital through a pipe transaction mode that is private investment in a public entity in order to fund the growth plans of the acquisition targets it is the quickness of time that is causing companies to consider SPAC and why not a SPAC transaction can be completed in just a few months as compared with a traditional IPO however one must be prepared a robust business model with the right mindset transparency and good corporate governance can sustain the growth for the company without much ado let me welcome our tax expert and partner shridhar r to delve in detail about the tax and regulatory framework that one company must adhere to while going down the spac route thank you shridhar for joining us thank you sneha it's always a pleasure to address the audience uh, through this uh, innovative mode look forward to this discussion let us begin with the most pertinent question on the tax and regulatory framework in india around spac could you please elaborate on the same so there is quite a bit of oversight from uh, both the regulator that is the reserve bank of india and the ministry of finance as well as the indian income tax authorities particularly in a despacking transaction uh some of these are very significant issues that need to be addressed in detail uh before any uh, transaction is undertaken given the current regulatory norms a direct spac listing in india is still a very early concept stage and therefore is not a choice for us at this stage there are however uh, active discussions within the government happening on Uh, to position the ifsc or the gift city as the front runner uh, to consider and allow such a structure sebi has also set up an expert group to examine the feasibility of an indian spac and effectively an overseas direct listing of an indian company is being considered by the government uh, and there are some enabling provisions that have come through under the company law but the rules around this have yet to be framed in detail while a draft is still out these are early days for a direct overseas listing or a direct spac listing in india therefore what it means is that typical spac jurisdictions that are in vogue today are the us that is delaware cayman islands and the bvi and from an india perspective uh, what it means is a spac that is listed overseas acquires a target in india which means uh, essentially buying out the shares of the indian entity that essentially means that the tax framework of india as far as the buying of the investment applies to that kind of a transaction uh, a swap has its own challenges and we will discuss about this in detail as we go along so what would be your views for a company which is owned over 50% by indian investors founders and externalization is yet to be done 
so that's a difficult question in the indian context uh, today and uh, let me explain the reason why i say that uh, that's because the spac is expected to own at least a majority of the indian target which means that at least 50% or more should get folded up into the target if not ideally all of the 100% and the ideal structure is therefore the spac owning 100% of an indian target which means that the promoters have a very limited way to be accommodated in the spac uh, and there is a significant regulatory oversight on this matter uh, where rbi is averse to any structure that has a resident owning a foreign entity which in turn owns an indian entity in uh, tax and regulatory world this is known as the odi fdi structure and there are very limited ways to overcome this restriction uh, and therefore it is recommended that an inverted foreign owned entity is set up at an early stage of the business and well before any despacking transaction is contemplated now why i say early stage is because the values uh, at which the investment is done at an early stage uh, of of business is much lower than uh, at a stage when the despacking transaction is being contemplated and therefore uh, while uh, the regulatory oversight of a resident owning a foreign entity which owns an indian entity still remains a concern uh, the limited ways that this can be achieved through is either through the promoters getting some form of sweat equity or stock options as we call it or the indian resident shareholders participating through uh, the limited window available under the liberalized remittance scheme window that is the usd 250000 window as we call it so do you think the liberalized uh, remittance scheme or this investment route is sufficient for resident investors or what could be the limitations or the precautions that the companies must take the $250,000 limit is certainly not sufficient for resident investors but if you see this in the perspective that this is for individual investors as well as for investors who are more investing in the portfolio manner it is a fairly decent limit as far as an annual uh, amount is concerned and $250,000 is per financial year and per person so if you have a family uh, of four people we are talking of 1 million uh, limit so there is a fair bit of flexibility in the current lrs route but it doesn't certainly allow the promoter group to get invested uh, under the lrs route to uh, come to a shareholding at the spac level and that is still a concern Uh, and unless government kind of comes out clearly permitting this and allowing such a round trip in the circumstances it is difficult for promoter groups to get to the spac entity unless they have already inverted a structure given that they were at some point non residents or given that they were at some point uh, offered shares of the indian target through a sweat equity or a esop mode and in that circumstance we already have an inverted structure uh, 
from inception or from early on and in that situation getting into the uh, dspack mode can even be achieved through a, a merger of the foreign parent with the spac or an spv of the spac and a merger is a tax neutral way of getting the indian resident shareholders to participate in the dspac entity having said that there is still a small gap in the law where a swap in itself of a indian company shares with uh, the shares of a foreign company still need the rbi's permission which again get you back to the round tripping issue which rbi will be averse to give and therefore a swap can be done only when there is already an inverted structure which means that the parent entity of the indian target is already owning 100% of the indian target and its business uh, and then that parent is then merging into an overseas uh, spac or uh, the spv of the spac so what are the tax consequences of a despacking transaction then could you explain it for uh, you know residents as well as for non residents so like i said a despacking transaction in the indian context effectively means acquiring the shares of the indian target and if you see it in that context it means a transfer uh, of the indian company shares now whether that is done through a swap or for cash uh, of the indian target uh, both result in a capital gains event uh, and the shareholder therefore ends up paying tax on any gain that is made on the exchange or the sale uh, now given that spac targets are likely to be in high growth or innovative sectors there is an interplay of tax with the exchange control law provisions in india which expect a fair value realization of uh, such sale or swap for resident shareholders particularly and this becomes a significant uh, element of uh, of tax because if you have to fair value the sale and the swap or the swap you you would expect the resident shareholders to pay that much as capital gains tax and therefore to that extent they would have a higher tax incidence uh, potentially keeping into the into the transaction for non resident shareholders where they have invested through uh, early early through mauritius or singapore or netherlands there is treaty protection and grandfathered tax benefit that they may want to claim on on claiming the exemption for capital gains tax now resident shareholders may also benefit if they were holding a special status like aifs in india which are entitled to a capital gains uh, exemption uh, per se and therefore uh, for uh, for non resident shareholders we are saying that the treaty protection is available and typically uh, ranges from uh, 10 to 20% uh, typically for long term or uh, short term capital gains whereas uh, the domestic tax law for uh, resident shareholders expects uh, residents to pay capital gains tax if long term at the rate of 
and if short term at their applicable uh, tax rate and therefore at a promoter level this could be a significant tax incidence if they were individuals earning more than significant threshold of income in a year so how does indirect transfer rules under indian income tax laws impact future transactions so this is again uh, there is a extra territorial reach of the indian income tax law where uh, the income tax law taxes an indirect transfer of an indian asset and creates a tax event for the spac shareholder whether resident or non resident uh this is actually accentuated in the event the indian asset contributes significantly to the overall value of the spac entity uh and indian tax law does provide for an exemption from this mischief if two foreign companies were to merge merge in a tax neutral manner like i said in the previous question but it is an important element to plan as the investors may not be entitled to treaty protection in such a situation and this is something which needs a deeper dive into the facts of all cases for us to kind of come to an answer on how would indirect uh, transfer rules apply in that situation this is more relevant also for both the buyer and the seller given that india also taxes the buyer in the event where there is a benefit to the buyer on account of him getting the shares of the spac or of the foreign spv uh, at a lower than the book value the underlying book value of uh, the spac which includes the value of the indian target and therefore in all situations where the shareholder buying the investment gets the shares of the spac either free of cost or at a benefit uh, that is lower than the book value there is a tax exposure on the buyer and on the other hand there is always a tax exposure on account of the indirect transfer uh, at the spac level if india was to uh, contribute significantly to the overall value of the spac and therefore this is this is a question that needs to be addressed every time Uh, a transaction at the spac level is being uh, proposed and of course at the time of t spacking as well so then according to you should spac just hold shares of uh, indian target or the indian target should be folded into the spac that's a good question sneha uh, see the cross border merger rules in india do permit an indian company to merge into a foreign company which means uh, in 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 legal parlance it's called an outbound merger and rbi has also come out with a set of guidelines to permit such an outbound merger however uh, the challenge is in tax where such an outbound merger is not considered to be tax neutral in itself and therefore there is a capital gains event which triggers both at the level of the shareholder holding the shares of the indian target as well as at the level of the target itself which gives up its assets in favor of a foreign company when the merger happens so there is a double layer taxation which we have to address 
in uh, coming to this answer uh, but in theory it is possible for an indian company to merge with say a delaware based company under uh, under corporate law in india what it also results in is that the foreign company ends up having a branch in india uh, as as a consequence of the merger and that in itself has uh, tax consequences given the fact that a branch of a foreign company gets taxed at a higher rate of 40% uh, one and two it also has a regulatory restriction if the indian branch were to do activities which were not permitted otherwise for foreign uh, company branches in india for instance manufacturing is not permitted in a branch model and therefore it becomes a significant show stopper for us uh, from a tax and regulatory regime to consider the possibility of an indian company merging into a foreign company and resulting in a branch uh, as a consequence of the merger in india therefore in the current tax and regulatory regime the logical possibility seems to be where the indian company ends up being owned by the foreign spec through a shareholding relationship the indian target not necessarily folding into the spec if tax were to consider this or some relaxation was to be given under income income tax law in india this could be a good possibility to explore and a better possibility in the long run for the spec as well other than what you just mentioned shridhar what are the other things a company must watch out for post despacking one important elements neha that uh, needs to be factored in uh, post despacking is uh, potential exposure on account of place of effective management rules in india under income tax law to kind of briefly explain what uh, place of effective management means is that if a foreign company was to be effectively managed from india the indian income tax rules say that that entity should be treated as a resident in india and therefore all income that it earns globally uh, should be offered to tax in india therefore uh, if a spac were to be effectively managed from india post the despacking transaction the exposure for the spac Uh, to be treated as a resident therefore becomes accentuated uh, of course a spac if it was uh, to be seen as a business it seems like it will be uh, a passive business entity and in which situation the test of the place of effective management uh, lies in uh, who takes decisions as well as where those decisions are taken from a management and control perspective so if if we have to uh, uh, we certainly have to ring fence any potential exposure on account of place of effective management for a despacked entity if the promoters are continuing to play an important role in the spac uh, management the other thing that uh, needs to be kept in mind is the revenue upstreaming of returns from the indian target in india in the form of dividend or interest 
uh, and there could be some capital structuring that could be uh, necessary to be making this efficient and this also ties up with uh, the question around the jurisdiction of the dispac entity uh, and there is a lot of flexibility in considering us cayman island or bvi for the dispac entity to be most efficient for uh, from a tax perspective there's always a need to protect the carry forward of losses and mat credit in a despacking transaction and therefore this needs a bit more evaluation uh, uh, specifically despacking at the point of despacking as well as thereafter considerations such as the countries from where the pipe investors or the other investors are coming through also need to be evaluated uh, post despacking or at the point of despacking itself in summary quite a bit of planning needs to be done while you are considering despacking for uh, all of this in future so what is the role of fdi policy on despacking or externalization as you may put it yeah so fdi norms uh, typically apply to the activities of the indian target and therefore in a situation where uh, the despacking transaction involves uh, acquiring the shares of an indian target which is normally what we would expect to happen in the current scheme of things uh, the fdi norms would play a very important and active role in deciding uh, the limitations uh, of uh, how much fdi can come into that particular entity for instance if you have sectors such as the financial services or if you are into trading or e-commerce or uh, or you are an investor coming from china or from the neighboring countries of india all of this need to be factored in uh, in the despacking exercise uh, and therefore fdi norms would play a very significant role in coming to an answer on what is permitted under the fdi rules or what is otherwise limited by regulation in india further despacking anyway involves possibly an outbound cross border merger and there you still have to uh, be aware of the rbi regulations like i said if you were to actually consider an outbound cross border merger uh, like i said uh, the regulations permit this but tax does have a, a fairly uh, significant role to play in uh, dissuading a cross border merger at this point in time but this is a possibility that still has to be addressed fully and to that extent while it may not be fdi but the regulatory oversight under exchange control law would apply to such a situation thank you shridhar for sharing your insights with us that's all from the special episode of our knowledge sharing podcast Stay tuned for our next episode where we will talk about the auditing framework requirements while going public via SPACs.